All right, we are starting a new series today, and we're in the Psalms this morning in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Hope you guys had a good Christmas and New Year's break. I know we're now a couple weeks in, but I'm excited to kick off this new series we're in calling uh, we're calling it a fresh start. And the whole idea behind this, if you weren't here last week, is that uh, this year that we're entering into is, is a bit of a unique one. Uh, this series is not meant to be a New Year's resolution type series, but more a thoughtful consideration for the unique times we're in and uh, how to navigate them. Uh, it seems to me that people across the board aren't entering into 2023 as they were entering into 2022. I wonder if that's your sense. Uh, at the beginning, uh, heading into 2022, it seems like across the board, a lot of people are really excited. This is going to be my year. I'm going to get back from the pandemic, and it's going to be wonderful. Maybe I'm going to take some steps forward in my life. And that was kind of the general feeling heading into 2022. There was a lot of enthusiasm, excitement, and that sort of thing. It doesn't feel that way heading into 2023, sadly. Of course, it doesn't help with the war in Ukraine going on. It doesn't help with a possible global recession on the horizon. But I just think on the whole, a lot of people are entering into 2023 a little bit differently because 2022 wasn't what they thought it would be. It just it didn't live up to the hype. It didn't live up to the hope of what we were hoping might, might be there. And I think it's important for us to consider why that's the case. And more importantly, how we are to navigate these times. Uh, maybe even more specifically as followers of Jesus, how the Lord would have us navigate these times. Uh, I thought of no better place to start this year than with uh, Psalm 23. Uh, it's the creme de la creme. Uh, it, it might be the most famous Bible text in all of Scripture. I mean, I'm guessing even if you didn't grow up really reading the Bible, you probably know Psalm 23 or at least parts of it, right? I can't help but listen to it and hear Morgan Freeman's voice in my head a little bit. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley. This is not meant to be Morgan Freeman. <laughs> a little, little impression there. But yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, is how the old King James puts it. Uh, there's a reason it's so famous. And it's not just because it's so eloquently put, but because it's super helpful. Now, I want to hit the pause button real quick. And I want to cheat a little bit. I said I was going to make this a New Year's resolution type series, but I want to cheat here and actually give you a little bit of a resolution. And that is to memorize Psalm 23. If you've never done it before, or if you have in the past and it's kind of slipped off, I highly encourage you to memorize Psalm 23. It's just six verses. Six verses. You can do that in a week if you wanted to. Families, you could do this over the dinner table. Read the whole thing together and then focus on one verse building over time. The first night is, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. You probably do that right back, you know what I'm saying? It's like, but I, the reason why I say this is, this psalm has been helpful to countless people. It's been helpful to me throughout my life, uh, countless times when I'm laying awake at night, anxious about the next day or the week to come, 
I'm able to kind of think about this psalm and help and have it help shape the way I'm gonna, I, I approach things. This psalm has been helpful to countless people down the generations, generations on their deathbeds. I mean, I would go so far to think that perhaps Psalm 23 has been the text, let alone biblical text, that people have thought about more in that place to look for, for comfort and help than any other, and for good reason. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to focus in on this. Uh, not all of it. There's no way we can plumb the depths of it, which is why I memorize it. We're going to look at the first few verses, and here's what we're going to consider. Why following the Lord as your shepherd is the best thing you can do heading into 2023. Why following the Lord as your shepherd is the most important thing you can do heading into 2023 and beyond. Okay? Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll unpack that. Father, thank you so much that you are our shepherd. Lord, I know for many, uh, we enter into the doors today with, uh, with a heaviness, with uh, the hardships of life. And, and Father, we... We know you see those things. You meet us there. And so I pray, I pray that for, for each of us, wherever we're at in our, in our life journey, that you would meet us today and you would speak to us through your word by the power of your spirit to show us how you are our shepherd. And truly, we lack nothing. Some of us might know this and recognize this in our minds, but it hasn't really sunk down into our hearts or whatever the case might be for, for each of us. We pray that you would speak to us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Uh, that's how the most famous of all psalms begins. And it's really a remarkable claim, if you think about it. I think as, first, uh, as 21st century uh, Americans, we can uh, not see that this was quite a radical claim in and of itself. I mean, we tend to overly romanticize the idea of shepherding, right? We just celebrated Christmas Chances are you saw a bunch of nativity scenes, or maybe you set one up with shepherds, and you're just like, wow, that's really special. And yes, it is, but you, you and I might fail to remember what the original readers of this text would have understood, and that is that shepherding was a boring job. I mean, it was dirty. It was one rabbi back in the day said it was a contemptible role in society. It was the lowest of low uh, in, in, in the society kind of cog of the economy that no one grew up aspiring to be. It was boring, dirty, as I said, and only the youngest, least distinguished son was usually given the role of being a shepherd, which, by the way, includes King David, who was writing this psalm, interestingly enough. But the question then becomes, well, why would the Lord take this title for himself? The, the, the King of kings, Lord of lords, why would he take upon himself the title of our shepherd? And, of course, the, the reason for that has to do with the power of its metaphor. I mean, the shepherd really understood intimately, powerfully, beautifully his sheep. He knew them by name, was with them constantly, thinking about them, caring for them, serving them in, in just real intimate ways. Uh, I fought Cindy long and hard about getting a dog during the pandemic, and I lost that fight. We got a dog. And... She recruited our kids, which didn't help. I was like, all right, when that happened, I was like, all right, we're not, I'm not going to win this one. But I was really fighting it long and hard, not because I don't like dogs. I love dogs, had dogs, but I was the only one who had had a dog growing up. Cindy hadn't had a dog. And I, no joke, was thinking, man, if we get a dog and it's not a good dog, it will break us. Like we had so many things happen in our life, as I imagine so many of you did, during the pandemic. I was like, man, if this turns out to not be a great dog, we're in trouble. And so no joke, my prayer was, Lord, please give us a good-tempered dog. 
please. I'm not, I'm not being facetious. Like, literally, Lord, please give us, or even a medium dog, just not a bad one. And, and the Lord blessed us with little Cordy. He's such a gift. Oh, my goodness. I'm not just saying that. He's been an answer to prayer. Uh, he's been such a good, and those of you guys who have pets, you know, maybe not for cats. Okay, I'm sorry. Little dog lover. <laughs> Dig there. Um, if you guys have pets, you know that there, it, just short amount of time goes by, and already you look at that little guy, and you're like, what would our life be without him, right? I mean, they just grow on you and all that sort of stuff. And they all have their personalities. Cordy is awesome. He's just, he, he loves to play with different people in the family differently. So he's kind of a Velcro dog with Cindy. But for me, I'm just like the guy he comes to, like, are you going to scratch me already? Or, or are you going to play with me? Uh, last night, he, no joke, he came up to me. And this is what happens almost every night. After we get the kids down, he goes to find daddy with a toy in his jaws. And he just looks at me with, with the, the classic puppy dog eyes, wagging his tail, like, are you going to play with me? Stands about 10 feet off. And last night, you can ask Cindy. I was like, oh, Cordy, oh, I know. I got the sermon. I got to work on this, man. I got and he just started wagging his tail a little bit more. I'm like, dang it. And Cindy knew. So I was going to play. And I played with him and all that sort of thing. I mean, he just, his little personality. It's hilarious when he's out on the street. He just like, he's so extroverted. He just wants to go up and say hi to everybody. Only his hi looks like he wants to rip their head off. And they don't know that though. So it's really embarrassing because there's a bigger dog. And I'm like, he's not trying to beat up your dog. He knows that that won't happen. And all that sort of, so he's just, he's got his personality. He, he's really caring in his own way. And so we get to know him and get to, get to enjoy him being as part of our family. Uh, there's this really full, uh, uh, cool dynamic that's happened, uh, a relationship between him and my mother-in-law who will care for him from time to time. Like say when we travel and she's not traveling with us. We went to Southern California this last week. And Cordy just loves Popo, like grandma. She, he just loves her. In fact, to the tune of when he comes back of staying with, staying with, with her for a few, few weeks or a week or so, uh, he'll come back and just not be the same dog for another week. Because grandma's not around, right? I mean, he still gets and receives love from us. But there's a unique bond that happens because the rest of us during normal times are going off to work, school, and all the rest of it. But Papa is with him all the time, right? And so when, but it's really fun when, when, he, when he sees her come into the door or hears her, he just perks up in that week after and is just like himself. And he's just like looking because she's spending all this time caring for him in that. And they just have this bond. And it's really special and, and, and beautiful and Shepherds had such an intimate bond with their sheep. I mean, we're, here we are in the 21st century, you know, the lens looking way back into the ancient world. But they were out there in the fields 24-7 caring for them through thick and thin. Just constantly knowing them, like knowing their intricacies, their personality traits, their temperaments, how they're just prone to wander. We don't just sing about that. That's true of shepherds. How they're sluggish, how you have to kind of like you know, all, all the rest of it. How much more does the Lord love us as his people? So he really leans into this metaphor to say that we are, we are his, the sheep of his pasture. He is, he is our shepherd. He, he cares for you in the most intimate of ways, loves you personally, deeply. And the main thought I want to unpack with you today from just these first few verses of this wonderful psalm, just one thought, we're going to unpack it is that the Lord, as your shepherd, leads you for your best, for, for your good, even when it might not seem that way to you. Even when you might not agree with it or see it or understand it. Because I want you to notice something in this text. It's really amazing. And this is why the beauty of memorizing really helps. But it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And then verse 2 says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path. When I first started thinking about this psalm, memorizing it, meditating on it earlier on, uh, these, uh, these words used to bring up the imagery in my mind of like a barbecue or picnic on the side of a nice summer day river. You know what I mean? Like picnic, uh, frolicking, skipping frisbee. Like that's just the imagery that come to my mind. And okay. But the words I wouldn't really think about all that often until more recently are these words that he makes me lie down in green pasture. He, he, he makes us. Uh, those words are important to consider because they imply resistance. Wouldn't you say? You don't have to make a kid do something they want to do. You have to make a kid do something they don't want to do. Uh, my son is not the best of eaters. He did, ever since he was a little kid, uh, when he was a baby, he was, as far as I'm concerned, the best baby on the planet except for eating and sleeping. <laughs> Other than that, he was the best baby on the planet. He's gotten a lot better at sleeping. The eating part, he's still, man, it's like whenever we sit down to eat, he just gets distracted. It's hilarious when he's eating with his friends, his buddies. He just, like his friends are talking and eating. He's just talking, right? And even at dinner table, it's like he just gets distracted. He just starts talking about something. And now that his doctor is saying he's a little underweight, his BMI could be higher. And, you know, as a dad, I want to beef him up for sports and all that sort of stuff. I'm just on him. I'm like, Caleb, eat. Like, eat. Like, every three minutes, it's like, Caleb, eat. If the doctor's telling me to say it, I'm going to say it. I'm going to try to make him eat. It could be his favorite food, cheeseburger. And let's just go all out, plain, ketchup only, okay? I still have to tell him to eat. Three minutes later, eat. But all, all, all that changes, though, when dessert comes out. I don't, have to make, I don't have to make him eat dessert. If it's ice cream or whatever, he's, he's good. It's quiet and he's, yeah. Uh, you get the point. And here's the thing. I think all of us, if we kind of stop and reflect on it for ourselves, we can realize there are times in our life that actually, yeah, God does kind of have to make us lie down in our green pastures. Are there times in your life you can look back on? Is there a time in your life where you can look back on and you go, man, I'm so, I'm so happy where I am now. I'm so grateful. But if you're real about it, earlier on when that process was happening, you weren't such a fan. A little bit more complaining, a little bit more resistance. But thank God he made you lie down in the green pasture you're in today. Uh, let me use uh, one more uh, example here, just kind of by way of illustration. Think about people learning piano. I imagine if we were to take a survey here today, there would be a great number of you who would be like, man, I started to play piano, but I stopped, and I wish I hadn't stopped. I wish I had listened to my mom or dad when they were making me play. Like, you guys get the whole deal, practice, you don't want to sit down and do that. And what did your parent probably say at the time? Hey, you really want to stick with this because when you're older, you're going to, you know what I mean? And then there's a select few of you who actually did do that, and now you're really grateful you listened to your parent when they were making you play the piano. What's really fascinating is God wants to lead you and me into green pastures. And sometimes the greatest hindrance to that is ourselves. We don't like the making us part, the leading us part, the guiding us sometimes. Or perhaps when we get to the pasture, whatever it is, we're not super happy about that pasture. We'd like that quiet water over there or whatever it might be. But as one commentator put it, a good shepherd doesn't take a poll to see where the sheep want to go. The good shepherd knows where the sheep need to go and leads them there. Um, it's, it's really striking to me, if you think about this, that the Lord will do that for you and me 
even when he knows it's going to mean for whatever length of time, we're not going to be super happy and, never, and not super happy with him. And yet he'll do that. And that's not just an academic thing that he's just like, well, it sucks for you. He loves you as your shepherd as he does that, intimately, with, with, with great personal intimacy. Uh, modern day shepherds really knew this. I came across this a few years back in one of my readings. It's really incredible. Modern day shepherds know this when it comes to helping their flock get through an outbreak of lice. Uh, so that'll happen. And what shepherds will do, modern day shepherds will do, is they will lead them to a trough which is filled with a clen- cleansing solution known as a dip. Okay, it's just kind of help them kind of get the, you know, get healed up from, from the lice outbreak. And what, what he'll do is he'll lead all of them up, single file, to this trough that has to be deep enough for the sheep to fully submerge. Okay, they have to be able to, to swim this thing and actually and go under. And it's about 30 feet of length. That's about the time they need to let it all kind of do its, its work. And so he leads them up there, and one by one, he will straight up take the sheep and plunge it into the water and then have that sheep go swim the whole distance, 30 feet, and then on the other side, then, before he lets it out, push the sheep fully underwater, not once, but twice. So think about that. The sheep who's grown to have this, has developed this really emotional bond with the shepherd, has no clue what's going on, comes up to this trough of who knows what, gets into this waters, and, just, and at the end of it has to be just completely submerged by the shepherd, not once but twice, with zero explanation. And yet the whole while the shepherd knows it's for the best of the sheep. And I mean, think about that. I mean, there's so many times where we just feel like, well, we should just know the reason why this is happening or how it's happening this way, and, and we don't. And man, I would say the gap between a shepherd and sheep, between an infinite God and us is significantly greater over here, and yet sometimes we can't understand it. But what we can understand, the Bible is very clear, including in this text, is that it will always be for your good and mine. So the question is, do you believe that? Can you trust that? That the Lord is your shepherd and you lack nothing? Uh, That's, I believe, really kind of the question of today's text. Can you believe and say and mean, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing? Or is there something in your life that feels like you're lacking in? Uh, Something's not working out the way you'd hope it to. Things aren't going the way you would otherwise envision them to be, and you're upset about it. Maybe you're even upset with God about it. You know, I I think this is a really important lesson for our generation in particular to think about. I mean, it's important on any number of fronts. But for our generation, I think, if I can speak in broad terms, we've had good times, wouldn't you say? 21st century America. Now, I'm not trying to paint a lovely, you know, rose-colored glasses picture here. But when you compare the last few generations uh, to where we are now to the history of humankind and different cultures and all that stuff, we've had it kind of easy, wouldn't you say? Comfortable? A lot of opportunities available to us. A lot of creature comforts available to us, which is why it seems to me when things just don't go quite the way we want it to, we're almost more prone to get rocked. Wouldn't you say? But these wonderful words and promises are true to you and me just as much as they were to the ancient people who had it nowhere near as easy, if we use those words, the Lord is our shepherd. I lack nothing. 
uh, if I could share kind of a vulnerable example with you. I remember there was a particular moment when this kind of sunk a little bit more deeply into me. And maybe the way I can think of this is I always knew this promise, but it just kind of went a little bit further uh, and, and got some clarity and, and really some help and care in all of that. I remember a time earlier on in the life of the church, years ago now, when things were especially what felt like to be hard for me. Uh, internally, there was just, there was just, it was just hard times. The workload and wondering if things would work out and how things would get going. And physically, some of you guys know I have this arthritic condition. And I was just kind of, there's a lot of question marks around that. Uh, certain relationships were especially challenging. It just, a lot of this was just kind of all coming together for me. That I, was just, I was just in a place where I was just extra down, extra agitated, upset about things. I was still functioning well, but I'm just letting you into the internal struggle there. And I remember there was one Sunday in particular, which was amazing. That Sunday, three people decided to make first-time faith decisions to follow Jesus. Three people. It was amazing. But I got home that afternoon, and I was sitting on my chair, and I was down. I was upset. I was agitated about things. And three people had just put their faith in Jesus. Three people had just had their lives for all eternity changed. If you've been around current for any length of time, you know that we say, if man, if we did all of this church for the sake of one person putting their faith in Jesus, it will have been more than worthwhile. On one day, three people had put their faith in Jesus, and I'm sitting there down, upset, agitated, and it hit me. I feel like the Lord, my shepherd, kind of spoke to me in that moment. That I was thinking I was lacking some things, but I actually had way more than the provision I needed or wanted. You know what's interesting is if I kind of did the kind of mental exercise there of thinking about on paper if I would be okay to have these hardships, if I'll call them that, for the sake of people putting their faith in Jesus, I would have said, absolutely, are you kidding? These promises were in my mind, but they hadn't sunk into my heart. In that moment on the chair, I realized, boy, I had been looking for things from the Lord that were different than what he had for me, and I was missing these wonderful green pastures right in front of me. Are you you following me? The Lord is our shepherd. We lack nothing, but sometimes we miss that. We might even be in green pastures, might be in other places. We'll get to that in a second. But can you say today, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And if you can't, there might be a gift in it for you. What do I mean by that? Well, to me, on that chair that Sunday Sunday afternoon, I felt like the Lord gave me a little gift. And seeing that I was looking for things beyond what the Lord was already so graciously giving me. And I was upset about it. The Lord can give us a gift in showing us the very things that we feel like we're lacking when he has given us everything. It might be for you, I don't know, peace around certain finances. It might be around a longing for a certain relationship. It might be, it might be around a challenging health circumstances. The Lord is our shepherd. We lack nothing. You know, to make this point even more strongly and eloquently, the psalmist goes on to say in, in this modern translation we're reading, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. What's important to understand here, as I see it, is gram- grammatically we see that verse 4, which we just read, is a continuation of verses 2 and 3, actually verses 1 through 3, so, in, in other words, he's saying, okay, you're going to walk through the darkest valleys. I fear, no, uh, I fear no evil, for you are with me. As a continuation of saying he leads us into green pastures, quiet waters. Is this making sense? So, he's not saying there's two different paths. 
There's the nice paths with green pastures and quiet waters. And then there's these other not so good, boo, you know, dark valleys. He's saying those paths are actually the one and the same path. And sometimes God is leading you and me up the right path and it'll include a dark valley. Uh, that's what this is saying grammatically. It's also something that the first century Christians would have understood intuitively knowing the annual grazing patterns of shepherding in the Holy Lands. There's rolling hills there, and in the summers what happens is the, the flocks all eat up the, sum, the, you know, the, the lush ground on the, from the spring on the low levels. In the summertime, the shepherds have to lead them up the, the hills up to the mountaintop where the grazing land is at that point. And what's interesting is you actually have to go, they have to lead their flocks through valleys up to the mountain. Uh, the best way to describe this is, have you ever driven the I-5, you know, and gone through the grapevine? Have you ever been that? Either, either way, yeah, I see a lot of eyes going, like, yeah, if you've done that, you, gotta, you go up, but you go through the valleys, and if you've done it during the wintertime or a scary winter, boy, you really know what we're talking about here. You kind of have to go through, you have to go through the valleys and contours to get to the mountaintop, and for these sheep in the ancient world, that was for the sake of their survivability. Now, so think about that. If it's hard to get sheep to make them lie down in green pastures during quote-unquote normal times, how much harder is it to get sheep to go through the darkest valley for the sake of their survivability, for the sake of their good? And that's the point, I believe, is being made here. Sometimes God will take you through dark valleys, but sometimes doing so is actually precisely for the sake of those green pastures, those quiet waters. And I imagine enough, enough of you, if you've lived enough life, you've probably understood or experienced that it's, it's sometimes having gone through those dark valleys that make those green pastures and quiet waters extra sweet. Now, I wouldn't wish upon any of you dark valleys, okay? But sometimes God uses dark valleys precisely to bring us along, to care for us, and even through us, care for others. Uh, there's one other thought that comes to my mind during that same period of time when I was kind of extra down and just upset, you know, working through things internally, uh, there was a time when uh, a, a pastor mentor of mine uh, got together with me, and I was just kind of sharing what I was going through, and just kind of describing how yeah, it's really hard, and just kind of letting him really into all, this, all the struggle of it. And I'll never forget, he looked at me with a smile and said, I'm so excited for you. And I, I have to fully confess, in that moment, I was like, should I hit this dude? Like, <laughs> I didn't, I just, I, it's funny, that's how my brain works, I would never do that, but and I don't pastorally encourage you to have that response when someone shares they're going through a hard time. Like, no joke. However, he's a pastor. And he understood kind of where I was at, how that conversation was going. And he knew I loved and cared for it. So it was actually wonderful is my point, okay, even as I have fun with that. And I said, okay, what do you, what do you mean by that? He said, I'm really excited for you because I've yet to meet a pastor who is effective in shepherding ministry who hasn't gone through hard times, dark valleys. Now, what I didn't explained to him in that moment was I had been through some dark valleys, including some hard loss of loved ones and different things in life, but that was really helpful and, yeah, and comforting in that moment to hear from him. I'm so grateful for it because he was saying to me essentially what our psalm is saying to us here in this text is sometimes going through hard things is precisely what the Lord wants to do to not only care for us, but sometimes through us care for others. Can you say and mean, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing? Because God is leading you and me for our good. Okay, but how can we know? I mean, this is a wonderful promise, but how can we be 
so sure. The thing I love about the Lord when it comes to this thought is he always gives us a thought to ground it on. These thoughts aren't just good in and of themselves, which is frankly enough, should be enough. But he also says, here's how you can know you can trust me in these. It's a really fascinating phrase here that I never used to give much thought to. Because it, it always seemed to me, young when I, younger when I thought of this text, meditate on it, kind of, more of a throwaway phrase. But actually, it's, it's very profound and helpful. So in verse 2, it says, he makes us lie down in green pasture. He leads us beside quiet waters. He refreshes our soul. He guides us along the right path. And then it says, for his namesake. I used to think about that and it's like, oh, it's for his glory. God does all this. He makes us lie down in green pastures and beside quiet waters and refreshes our soul so that we can praise him. So we can sing to him and worship him. And for sure, that's part of the deal. But what's more is it's actually also this phrase, for his namesake, the unlock for why we can really know truly that he is our shepherd and we lack nothing. That all this is true and can be banked on. Uh, one of my favorite scripture texts in the Bible is Genesis 15. So the first book of the Bible, chapter 15, is about God making his covenant with his people. He does this with Abraham, the patriarch of all those who had put their faith in the Lord. And in this covenant, covenant being a, a kind of a, a personal contract set in stone for, for a relationship. So think of a covenant in our, in our times. I think the only covenant that actually really comes to my mind uh, covenant ceremony that we have is, is marriage, right? We make vows to our spouses that are like contractual in a way, but also intimately, if not more so, personal, right? It's a kind of a joining, and you do it in front of people, and it's ratified, and everybody's like, okay, all right, we understand that. So back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I'm talking 2,000 years before Jesus. So in the ancient Near East, the covenant ceremony was they would kill some animals, separate the carcasses, and then the two parties would walk through them, saying with the, the terms of the vows, and basically saying, okay, and as I do this, may it be unto me like these animals if I don't keep my end of the deal, okay? And so God did that with Abraham. And the terms of the covenant were essentially, I'm going to be your God, and I'll be faithful to you. You be my people, and you be faithful to me, okay? Only when the time came for that covenant ceremony, God did a remarkable thing in preventing Abraham from walking through it with him. God alone walked through those animals, and in so doing, essentially said, I'm going to uphold my end of the vow, that I'm going to be your God and faithful to you, but I will also uphold your end of the vow. If and when you are unfaithful to me, I will on your behalf be faithful. And that's really the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. Jesus was sent into this world, and he said in John 10, 10, I am the good shepherd. But what's more is he went on to say, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. God the Father sent God the Son in this world to us as a shepherd. There's times when Jesus said of the crowds, when he had compassion on them, they are like sheep without a shepherd. Like, I'm going to teach them. I'm going to show them the way. I am the way. And yet the gospel is him not only teaching and living, us as a, living among us as a shepherd, but becoming essentially a sheep, and not just a sheep, a sacrificial lamb dying on our behalf. In fact, listen to this. 1 Peter 2, 24, 25 say this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseers of your soul. Do you see how 
this makes the promise something we can bank on? It's something he has done for you and me. The promises of Psalm 23, that he is our shepherd and that he will lead us into good pastures and through the darkest valley are not dependent on you being a good sheep. And he spells it out here and elsewhere that we are prone to go astray. We don't need the Bible telling us that. Nevertheless, he is our good shepherd who also became our sacrificial lamb, which for starters is a promise for those of you here today who have never received him. I mean, the best news of all is you can receive a a personal relationship with God today by praying, Lord, I want to receive you for what you did for me on the cross. Dying for my my sins so I I can be forgiven and start a relationship with you as my shepherd. And if that's you today, that's the best thing you can do heading into 2023 regardless of the year. That's eternity. And if that's you, would you let us know? either finding one of us or even notching it on your connection card as a spiritual marker to yourself. We'll be praying for you. But then for those of you who have received him, this is the promise that God makes available to you, that he is your shepherd and you can trust that he's leading you to good green pastures, quiet waters, even through the darkest valley. Why? Because he's doing it for his namesake. He's doing it based on who he is, based on his character, his word. And what he's shown us is he's, done nothing less than sent his son to make that possible. And so for whatever you need right now, you are not in lack. I am not in lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Can you say that today and mean it? And if not, why not? And can you take that to the Lord? What would that look like for you? I want to finish out with the rest of this psalm, which again, I'm not going to really teach through, but we'll let just kind of sit over us as we kind of close our time together. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pasture, leads me beside quiet waters, refreshes my soul, leads me on the right path for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil, for you are with me. And then it says this, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will Dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you and I feed on the the love and goodness of the Lord this year, we lack nothing. Notice that it says the Lord is my shepherd. Not a shepherd, not the shepherd even. He is your shepherd and mine. And you can turn to him here in 2023 regardless of what's ahead. Whether that's plentiful of green pastures or maybe it's the darkest valley. He's going to be with you is the promise. And he's going to lead you for for, for, for your good, for his namesake. Let's pray. Father, we're just so grateful that you are a shepherd and that you sent your son into this world, our good shepherd, knowing us by name, everything about us, including our, all our faults and the way we reject you, all our sin. And yet, what did he do with that? He laid down his life so that we can have life in him forever with you. And so, Father, I want to first pray for those who don't have a relationship with you, and maybe today is the day they want to put their faith in you. Actually, I want to give you an opportunity with eyes closed and heads bowed. If you want to make a decision to follow him today, you can raise your hand. It's not that raising your hand is what saves you. It's receiving the forgiveness that God offers you through his son. It says to all who believe on him, who receive him, he gives the right to 
become children of God. If you want to receive that today, you can raise your hand. You can raise it now, and I'll see it, and I'll pray for you. Just give you a moment if that's you today at the start of this year. And then, Father, I want to pray for those who, of us, have received you. Father, we confess that we, we don't look to you as our shepherd, lacking nothing anywhere near as we ought, given who you are and what you've done for us. And thank you that all the more you still love us with your mercy and goodness covering us. Father, would you help us as individuals and as a church grow more deeply in our love for you as our shepherd, that we truly lack nothing. And, and when we don't feel that way, would you help us turn to you, turn to, turn to you with each other's help and help others still who don't know you see that they can receive your eternal love through Jesus. It's in his name that we pray, amen.